Hello, everyone. This is Jennifer Williams with Cobalt Banker Gold Coast, and I'm the host of Lux Life. With me today, I have a very special guest, but this podcast is being sponsored by some dear friends of mine at Health Nuts. Go check them out. They are the ones that keep me running healthy and keep all of my uh, my energy levels going on par, especially during this winter season. So without further ado, my special guest is none other than a 25-year friendship, Terry Schmidt. Terry, take it away. Hi, everyone. Um, as Jen just mentioned, we have a long friendship, and it's we've been through it all. Um, both highs and lows, but we're still alive and kicking and we're, we're just trying to help all of our clients attain their goal of home ownership. So I've been in this business for 30 plus, we'll go that route, 30 plus years and have learned from scratch, self-taught, um, but very educated in just a, a Every aspect of Freddie, Fannie, FHA, Jumbo, USDA, VA, um, and I'm also licensed, I want to say, in Florida, in Illinois, and in Indiana. So I, you know, have various relationships with different realtors and just always looking to further my education in this crazy business that there is sometimes. And um make connections because that's what it takes in this business is a lot of teamwork and connections. That's very true. Teamwork and connections and, and long connections. I mean, again, you know, we, we just, we've known each other for over 25 years and, and seen it all top to bottom. Um, Terry, you know, you mentioned jumbo loan. So you, didn't you just close something recently? I did. I was so excited. I just closed a jumbo condo loan in um, Key West. So that was really exciting. And the agent um, that I got to know there um, has also sent me another referral because she loved the way I pride myself, I guess, in all these years, what I've learned most up there rating, you know, top rated is communication skills. Because I know what it's like as us as individuals are trying to find an answer on something not related to the mortgage world. And you're always waiting for somebody to get back to you. And it's just like, why doesn't anybody call me back or just tell me yes or no, or provide me with some sort of an answer, just communicate. So she, she raved about my communication skills and had said to the buyer that she goes, you know, I have dealt with a lot of lenders. And she said, she was, she got, she told my friend, she goes, she is really good <laughs> and kept her informed whether, you know, it was good news, bad news, whatever, but we got to the closing table and everybody was happy. And that's that, that's the key is to making sure that our clients are happy. The fellow agents are happy, buy side, sell side, whichever it is, we all have to work together. And now you and I, just a few years ago, uh, yes. did a deal together for a mutual friend and actually ended up being a buyer of mine that had walked in on an open house and said, Oh, surprise, look it, I haven't seen you in how many years. And of course, you know, because of the longevity of relationship that you have with them as well, uh, you know, it, it was a no brainer. It was, it was right. definitely a no brainer. So that's that extra 
level of of knowledge that you and I have and experience we have had together. In that, I can say that, yes, the communication and communication is so key to everything. Um, communication and being prepared. So Terry, can you please tell us what, because you and I do it every day. Right. We know what to bring. We know, and I think at times in our, as professionals, we forget what it's like to be the client. So what should a buyer do so they can get pre-approved? What do they have to bring or have prepared to give to you to make everything move, move smoothly and quickly? Well, you know, as we know, COVID put us in an, another changing environment. Um, but, and that's the thing in this, in this business, um, guidelines are constantly changing. Um, as of last March, in 2020, um, the, or 2021, the, the normal application, the 1003 is what we call it in our business, but it's the mortgage application changed. It went from what used to be four pages to now seven to nine pages. Oh my God. And yeah, it, it's gotten very involved. And again, the first time home buyer, even, a, even a repeat buyer, things have changed since they last purchased. And so a thing that helps us is that if you've changed jobs, if the buyer has changed jobs over the last two years, even on the current job, the biggest thing on a 1003 right now is to know the, we have to get a start date and an end date if they've switched jobs. But that is something that is definitely needed on the applications because they're looking for, you know, job stability, job stability, or why have you changed jobs? And if you have changed jobs, which anybody sometimes like in a medical field, like a, a nurse or something, she may change locations and they want to know why the multiple, you know, different changes in employment. And those are, you know, we need to get a letter of explanation for that. Um, everything has to be explained. And the biggest thing too is, especially for her first time home buyer, that person wants to go buy a new fridge or, but there's a deal on the furniture, you know, things like that. The big thing is, please don't have anybody run your credit because that is watched from the day that you apply to the day that you close. And, you know, I mean, if all of a sudden I had this happen one time, somebody went out and bought a Mercedes. So now we had a thousand dollar payment. I was like, now you don't qualify, you know, so there's examples like that. Um, it's just everything is watched. And it's just sometimes the slower the the time of the year um, and business isn't ramped up and so crazy busy. Sometimes when it's slower, things are looked at a little bit more cautiously, which provides, you know, us or which asks us now to could you please get another verification or get another letter of explanation? It just adds all these different layers to a file. Sure. I could see that. I could definitely see where it, it's, you know, between your employment verification. Yes. The, the lender wants to make sure besides the appraisal, besides everything else that, that a lender is going to want, they're also going to want to make sure that you are right with the jobs and with with where everyone is at, and if you're moving now, let me. What about if someone's self-employed? You know, say they are self-employed or a 1099 employee, and they want to go for a home loan. What do they do? How, sure. what do they- and yep, and 
of course, once again, I don't want to blame everything on COVID, but COVID has made things a little bit more difficult for self-employed just because it's a little bit more involved. Um, so obviously you can't get a verification on somebody that's self-employed. So you're getting actually um, uh, with COVID, they wanted people to supply the self-employed borrower to provide three years, sometimes up to three years of tax returns. And they are going to look at um, the, the income stability. Recently, somebody had a banner year in 2020. So, but then in 2021, there was a more than 20% decrease in what was usable income. So then that generated another letter of explanation. And then we had to go back and actually use three years of um, employment average to come up with what the, or the income was going to be. And it was just because of Fannie and Freddie, we were hoping we're going to possibly change the requirements, lighten back up, I guess you would say, because there was a time when the self-employed borrower was a little bit easier to do than normal than the normal um, W-2 employee. However, with COVID, that um, brought about all other overlays. And now um, in the financing world, when we talk about this with various underwriters and things like that, it does not appear that Freddie and Fannie are going to lighten up on some of those new guidelines. So they're critiquing that self-employed borrower. And especially just prior to closing, um, you need to provide, uh, let's say, bank statements or bank history transactions within 10 days of closing to show that you are still conducting business because COVID hasn't closed your business or you haven't closed because of COVID. So they want to see that there's still recent activity. Sure. That makes sense because they still want to make sure that you can make the payment and you can, you're Correct. still a viable, a viable thing. Um, also before closing, um, you know, again, we talk about, again, you and I do it all day, every day. It's, it's kind of repetitious for us at this point. Um, we go through and towards the end, closer to the end, Tell me a little bit about, isn't there homeowner's insurance or insurance that is required, correct? Correct. Yep. The borrower is responsibility, one of their responsibilities to go out and get a homeowner's insurance quote. Um, <clears throat> we ask that, you know, they provide our information to their agent. And once they have that, we provide them with the mortgagee clause and the loan number and things like that. And then they will, that homeowner's agent will provide us with the, the policy and the invoice. So that way, when a borrower goes to closing and I'm giving them their final amount that they need to either wire or take to closing, um, that amount that I'm giving them includes that first year's homeowner's insurance premium. Back in the day, Jen, back in the day, <laughs> you would, the, the borrower would go to the agent and then pay for the first year's homeowner's insurance and bring us a receipt. That is not done anymore. Um, they will just pay it directly, the title company. It'll be on the closing statement and the title company will send that premium to the agent. And then after that, you know, it's escrowed for the next year's premium. But yeah, that is one of the responsibilities of the, the borrower is to get homeowner's insurance. That's and provide true. us with that agent information. 
Sure. So then that way, then once again, the lender who is hold, who is responsible for the loan, for the collateral, uh, you know, collateralizing the house, also make sure that they're covered for insurance in case of any kind of hazard, anything like that. Why, why would someone lend money on something that doesn't have insurance on it? Makes absolute complete sense. Um, let's talk a, a second about wiring. You know, you and I both know wire fraud is real. Wire fraud happens. Um, how do we go about wiring the money to, where do we get our instructions from? How do Okay, we- sure. All right. So what happens is Illinois and for instance, in Indiana, Illinois requires funds to be wired to the title company for closing prior to closing. Um, I would say like within 24 to 48 hours prior to closing. Um, and because there has been so much fraud with wire, like the title company would normally would have emailed their wire instructions. Well, there has been cases and we've experienced, I think we had one buyer that had happened to was he wired some funds and it was fraudulent. So the title company, what we do is we provide the title company phone number to the borrower. And we ask the borrower to please contact the title company directly, and they will verbally give you their wiring instructions to avoid, you know, that little um, blurb of possible wire fraud. Um, What I had touched upon was in Illinois, excuse me, if you have, um, if you need $50,000 or more, um, those funds need to be wired. If you only needed $48,000 to closing, you can take a, bank cashier's check to the title company for that amount. Um, In Indiana, it differs. And their Good Funds Act is if it's anything more than $10,000, Indiana will require you to wire the funds. If it's less than $10,000, you can take a bank cashier's check. So we're constantly monitoring, you know, where am I closing at? Um, What state am I in? And what are the requirements? But again, the, the wiring instructions are never emailed. <clears throat> we put you in contact with the title company and the closing department there so that they know that they are getting the correct information and there's no possibility of doing uh, any sort of a wire um, fraud with makes, wiring instructions. Sure, makes, <laughs> makes sense also. Um, let's say from start to finish, it might a buyer wants to to get pre-approved wants to contact you and to get pre-approved how do they how long can does it typically take in each in each instance differs everybody is unique but just as far as your standard how long does it take to get a pre-approval letter oh okay so what i do is i will speak i like to verbally communicate um and i will ask them to to send to me via our secured web link that I put in an email, you know, copies of your driver's license, W-2s. And again, when we're doing a pre-approval, we will look at the findings, the automated findings to see, do we need one year of W-2s or two years? The day of needing the full tax return are pretty much a thing of the past, um, unless it's self-employed. But for the normal consumer W-2 employee, it's most recent pay stub, maybe one pay stub, maybe two to cover 30 days. And then at least the most recent, if not two years, W-2s. I run the credit and I will then call the, um, the, the, the borrower back and say, okay, here's your scores. 
Um, I can give recommendations if they're lower um, on what, if you have time, we could get you to raise your score a little bit. But for the normal, you know, everything's good with the scores. When I do a pre-approval on my pre-approval letter, because my name's on that, um, I like to make sure I've looked at the W-2s. I know the income situation. I've looked at pay stubs to know that I am know that this is what the income is um, and a bank statement to show that do you have funds? Now, obviously, if they're selling a home and their proceeds, um, they're going to use their proceeds to buy the new home. Well, of course, but um, I want to make sure that I've talked to them, interviewed them. I know their situation. I know what kind of program to put them in. Um, and you did mention, so when I do my pre-approval letter, I want anyone to know that I've looked at pay stubs. I've ran them through the automated system. I've got approved eligible findings, which, you know, that is the big hurdle, you know, sometimes to get through. But this is where your sweet spot would be as far as, you know, what your purchasing power, power is. Because as you know, sometimes you could find a more expensive home that they wouldn't normally qualify, but maybe the real estate taxes are lower. It's all a balancing act. It's like a teeter-totter. If your real estate tax, taxes are going to be high where you're looking to buy, your purchasing power and dollar amount might be a little bit lower. If your taxes are lower, you might be able to bump up that purchase price a little bit. So it's all a balancing act. And I've always told my clients, if you have any questions, if you want me to run numbers for you on a specific address, please send it to me. And I'll look to see and make sure you know, that you still qualify for that home now that the taxes might be lower and the purchase price might be a little higher. Sure. Because at times, especially when <laughs> we would be out in, in the bout and if we're showing, uh, we're seeing properties and, oh, you need to get a hold of your lender. You know, I've had some clients who didn't, didn't use preferred, my preferred lenders, which is okay. That That's fine. Everybody has their own connections and, and who they're comfortable with that. That's all right. And I've had where they can't get a hold of their lender. Mm -hmm. We're especially in, in in the market that we were in in 2021. I need this. I need these. I need this now. Like if we're right. going to come in in a highest and best multiple offer situation, and I need to present you in the best possible light as my buyer. I need it now. Not right. to be demanding, but. I'm being demanding um, on my behalf and my clients. <laughs> get it to me now. Because right. <laughs> yeah, no. you, know, you have to get it to me now. So that's, that's refreshing to know that, um, which I mean, I've experienced with you. So it's, it's, it's no surprise to me that you would be that communicative and have that turned around right away. So then that way we could get, I, we could present because you and I both know again, we have sometimes it's highest and best by noon. It's 11 yes. o'clock. I just yep. showed the property. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I work, I don't want to say 24 seven, but just like you <laughs> were, you know, if, if it means to get something done and going, that's what we're going to do. You know, it's, I, I've, I've talked to clients as I was, you know, waiting to get on an airplane or waiting or getting off of an airplane. And I've given pre-approvals at one in the morning. I, not that I want to make a habit of it, but it does, you know, it's anything to make it because you're in it for the client, you know, you just, you try yeah, we, hard. 
Yeah, we have to be service-based and we have to think of our clients first. I mean, that's, it's our clients needs. That's why they choose us. That's why they choose the, the people that they do. Um, I have had different other, you know, listings and uh, buyers that have come and, and they've chosen somebody else before perfectly fine. But well, now I have it. And now, now my team and I are going to run with it and, and take it to the finish line. So what can, let's say a buyer goes out today and they, you know, they're already pre-approved because again, you have to have the pre-approval in order to go take a look at the houses. Um, we're going to say they're going out today. When could they, if everything goes smoothly, appraisal comes in, home inspections, great attorneys, agents, everybody works together harmoniously. How many days for closing? I would say in that situation, you'd be looking at 30 days or less, you know, um, the most, you know, we go out 45, but again, it also depends the time of the year, you know, volume can get crazy as you know, during spring, summer, fall, it gets rather crazy. Um, you know, so, but I would say it's a 30 day, you know, I, you know, if you've got that, everything, the stars are all aligned, we're going, it could be less than 30 days, it could be three weeks. Okay, sure. Because yeah, the, when the stars and the moon are all aligned, it everybody's happy. It, it, it's, <laughs> we all yeah. breathe the fre- we all breathe the breath of fresh air. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with appraisals, when appraisals are coming back, and sometimes we can't get the appraiser appraisers because they've been so overbooked. And that's yes. that's the, that's another crazy thing behind. That's another caveat, I would say. It is because it's all a trickle effect, you know. It is. We have to get the homeowner home inspection in. First, we have to get the offer, uh, you know, accepted. accepted. Yeah, accepted. Now, is there a benefit at all to um, for a listing to have any kind of uh, have you come in and, and give an idea beforehand of what you think the house like? They any any benefit to any kind of a uh, a seller at all? Can you Here's think? one thing that is kind of, um, as far as the selling side, here's a big thing for FHA buyers, um, because this has happened recently. Um, If it's a flip situation, okay, the seller acquired the property less than 180 days ago. And let's say he bought it or she bought it for $30,000 $30,000 or $50,000. And now they're selling it for $215,000, let us say. That's going to be a flip situation. A lot, if the seller is a flipper is what we would say, um, a lot of them are already um, accustomed or they have the knowledge of, oh, hey, this is a flip. Um, one of the things I kind of do too is when I go and if someone's interested in an address, I'll bring it up and I'll like, I'll go to the history and I'll go, oh, you know, it shows that it was purchased three months ago for 50,000 and now the purchase price is 200. So we just kind of, I'll just put that out there. I mean, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just that if it's anything less than six months that, you know, that the seller is selling it, it could, um, um, it will require a second appraisal. All right. And a second appraisal the buyer cannot pay for the seller or the sellers, the listing agent would pay for that. 
So then that way, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a double wall protection too. I mean, I agree sometimes, and who, I think this market's going to be seeing some more of that coming up as well. Yes. Um, I think with, uh, I'm starting to see short sales. Um, I, I'm starting to see distressed properties. I haven't seen that in a couple of years, to be honest. Yes. I mean, it, it happens in every market, but I just, I really haven't seen that uh, very much. And I am starting to see that a little more. So how, so that would, that would definitely uh, add to, add to the complexity, if you will, um, right, of, of right. the deal. Tell me about new construction. So new constructions, I've had a couple clients that are talking about building a new home instead of, because they aren't finding exactly what they want. And, and we all know, depending on the zip code, what our inventory is like, I think we're going to have more uh, inventory coming on the market here. This, uh, I agree. Mm-hmm. I just listed one in, in New Lenox. It's going to be going live on Friday. Uh, fabulous home. So tell me about new construction. So do you do new construction loans? Do you work with anybody with that? We will do the end loan for new construction. Um, normally it's a, you know, the builder, it all depends on the new construction. The builder's usually financing that. And then we do the end loan. We can lock a rate, you know, up to six months out there, um, nine months out there. Your, your better rate to, what I'm going to say, your, your best rate is going to come in to really lock it in is when you're 30 to 45 days out from completion for, you know, but again, a new construction, you're going to have your upfront appraisal that's going to be done. And then you'll be, you know, it'll be required uh, when it's complete. The appraiser goes out, make sure that everything's been completed as, you know, as required. We're all good. Um, You know, um, at this time of the year, you might get an escrow holdback for um, landscaping just because they're not going to be out planting trees probably or anything right now. No, not successfully. Um, no, they, they will not. No, they <laughs> won't know. look pretty come spring. I'm going to guess. No, but, no, 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 no. You know, so sometimes you can have a, an escrow holdback for landscaping. You know, there's not too many other things you can really hold back on. Um, you know, so yes, as far as the, the construction, like the different draws and things like that, that's normally done. If you're buying directly from the builder, then we just do the end payout. Okay, sure. if, if somebody wants to actually build their own home, well, let's see, since 08 and 09, that kind of, you know, you'd have to probably have a good reputation with a small community bank. Maybe that would still allow you to be your own general because those days are pretty much gone. Sure, that makes sense. Where, you know, again, there are a lot of things have changed in the over 25 years, we've known each other. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's definitely, uh, definitely good food for thought. So Terry, give me the, how can somebody get a hold of you? What's your contact information? What lender do you represent? Um, email address, website, whatever you'd like to share. Somebody listens to the podcast and says, you know what? I want to give Terry a call because I kind of like what she's got to say. <laughs> Well, like I said, I just, you know, I pride myself on my communications and I, I hold, especially for the first time home buyer, I will, I tell my clients, I go, I will hold your hand. Don't worry about it. You know, and I've actually had good reviews on that, you know, that stated she helped me. I was so nervous. I was a first time home buyer. Didn't know because it is overwhelming. As you know, 
it is really overwhelming. Not to scare anybody from buying, but some some of it can be a little overwhelming. But you can definitely reach out to me. Um, I most, you know, if you can contact me on my cell, everybody, you know, we're all moving and shaking and whatever. So my cell is my best number to reach me at 708-370-1030. You can also find me under um, our teams on on themortgageexchange.com. You can look us up there. You can look up the company there. We pride ourselves in the fact that we're not a super, super huge company, although we are growing leaps and bounds, but we're a small what I want to say, um, we're a small lender with a big impact. You know, um, we pride ourselves in trying to, because we all are aware that not every borrower is the same. Um, so we will help everybody individually as we can. We can also, you can reach me via email, which would be Terry. It's T as in Tom, E-R-R-I at themortgageexchange.com. That's my direct email. You can reach me there as well. Wonderful. And you're also on LinkedIn because I know we are connected. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, um, but yeah, LinkedIn, I'm out there as well. Yep. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Terry, so much for coming on my podcast and to talking to our audience and giving us a wealth of information and um, look forward to continuing to work with you in the future. And this is Jennifer Williams with Cobalt Banker Gold Coast. And this is Lux Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Williams, 708-710-9266. Thanks a lot and have a great day.